0: What's up and welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT and also the YouTube page, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for interviews that you might have missed. Hope all is well with you and your family during this COVID-19. I tell you what, you would think that with so many people isolated, Uh, and quarantine in their homes that the television ratings across the board for entertainment would be through the roof. And indeed, that Bulls documentary, The Last Dance on ESPN, drew a 6 rating uh, for the two hours that was shown on ESPN. But the wrestling ratings? Mmm struggling and I mean AEW, I mean NXT, I mean WWE programming. It has not been great. The numbers are dwindling. We'll get into why that is with JR Bang, our special guest, JR Bang, co-host of the first Black Champ podcast. If you're a wrestling fan and you want your wrestling unvarnished and Boy, you want some really great wrestling content, check out uh, the first Black Champ podcast with J.R. Bang. He'll be our guest, and we'll talk more about the wrestling ratings and some of the news and notes around pro wrestling on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000. So joining us now is JR Bang from the First Black Champ Podcast, wherever you download your podcast, Cam Quotes and JR Bang, Breakdown Wrestling Like No Other, and Bang joins us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Bang, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, man, the pleasure is all mine. It's always good to talk wrestling and then, you know, talk to my people back home, so...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what's going on here is like I can't go outside, and the reason why is because the co- they had nothing to do with COVID nineteen. It's just because I live on the south side. So, oh, it's, yeah. so either way, people are gonna, so police are gonna ask you like, why are you out <laughs> when you're supposed yeah. to be inside? So actually, it's no different than it I, I normally is.
1: Yeah. See, luckily where I live, there's like a grocery store right downstairs. Um, like but you can't go up in there without a mask now. They're doing that now here in Maryland. Um, if you go into any building you have to have a mask on. So, um mine's in the mail. Um, but you, <laughs> you know, but I wrap up my wife's scarf. I go up in there, get the get the essentials um that I need to get. Um, but I haven't went any farther than that. I'm probably gonna do that tomorrow, but I've not gone anywhere farther than maybe um, not even a block away from that. It's, it's basically like right downstairs. So yeah,
0: I, I need some air. I love I love that you live above a store. That's not like a sitcom. So it's like the Carter. For
1: those who's listening on ESPN One Thousand, you know, this is like the Carter, but it's not like the Carter. Like, the, the place that we live is like a community. Right. But for me, I'm from the west side of Chicago. I look at it like the Carter. So so we have, like, three buildings. We have a park. the a grocery store. On the other side is a couple of, like, bars. And the, it's a dentist. So for me, this is all new, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a dentist in my building. Like, yeah.
2: That's
0: funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to ask you, during this wrestling, during this pandemic, the wrestling TV ratings, bang, are not doing well. Um, AEW and NXT are around 650,000. And the WWE Raw and SmackDown, also, the numbers are not doing well. How much is the presentation w- during uh, with the empty arena a part of the ratings going down?
1: Oh, I think it is, if, if I put a percentage on it, I would say that it's 70%. Because when you get wrestling you with, without you get wrestling, you get the wrestlers and you get the fans. And in some cases you would say that the fans are just as important if not more than the wrestlers because you're looking at reactions like for example, you know we didn't get we didn't get the the, the, the crazy wrestlemanias you know, we didn't get we um so therefore we didn't get the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania where things just go haywire the crowd takes over WrestleMania. We didn't get that. Um, um and then you like in certain cases the fans really determine the the trajectory of the character. So you you're not even getting that. You're pretty much getting quality wrestling cuz the wrestling hasn't been terrible on AEW or WWE. In fact, I would say without the crowd, just looking at the wrestlers wrestle, you've probably seen more good wrestling than you have in a while because you don't have a crowd, like basically, you know, um, like taking you away from the match. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody like Oscar, who I believe is the MVP of the pandemic. Um, in the WWE because her character, like, you know, with the fans, you hear her, you hear her talking, you probably get her drowned out or they're saying what behind every time she stops. But now you really get to see her character. And to me, that character has been the best during the pandemic. We don't get that with fans. So, part of it is the fans, part of it is um, the product itself, because now if you have people talking, you're like, who are you talking to? Like, now now you feel like, you, now you feel like it's stupid because I'm talking to, but I'm not talking to anybody. Um, but as I said, on some dude pod, you know, um, sometimes, I think they, I think the WWE and others need to go back to the 80s style of producing content. Instead of the people talking inside of an empty arena, go get the logo, get the green screen, get yeah. the logo,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Sasha Banks has something to say about Tamina. Let's take it back to the WWE um, Television Center and then, you know, have the logo on the back and boom. Man. Like, sometimes, like, this this right yeah. here, if we're going to go simple, we got to go all the way. I don't need you talking to, to chairs, Right and a TV screen. If we're gonna do it, that's what we need to do it. But I also believe that's why it's suffering because the production value hasn't, the only thing that's changed about the production value is the fans. So, no, fans, is really like, who are you talking to? And it kind of looks stupid to fans, and now you, then you just tune out.
0: It's interesting that you bring that up because the bill for WrestleMania, one of the reasons why that it was so interesting is because of the promos, right? The promos That's were it. terrific because if you notice, there's a difference between the WrestleMania um, promos in which... The wrestlers are looking you in the eye, right? They're looking directly in the camera versus when you're seeing wrestlers in the WWE looking up in the sky, looking at their shoes, looking up to the side, and never looking at you. The reason why that I was sold with the WWE WrestleMania is because the promos were looking directly at us old school. And I would agree with you that if you don't have fans, if nothing else, the promos have to resonate, meaning that it's got to be someone holding a microphone. It's got to be got to have a background of WWE behind you like it was back in the day and sell yourself. I mean, that's that's the you have to sell yourself, knowing that you have no audience, sell your character not in the not in the ring, because who are you talking to if it's in the ring? But if you're talking to me directly, now you've sold me and the show.
1: Yeah, like it was the selling of a character is perfect, right? Yeah. For what you were saying. Because with with the WWE back in the 80s, I'm gonna and, and the only reason why I'm gonna go and say back in the eighties is because this is the closest that I can think of to Strip Down. Um, you had to sell the, 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 the event in lesser days, and lesser times, and lesser opportunities in front of a TV. So you had, it had to work. And you really couldn't do that live. So I think what we're seeing now is the most underrated part of this pandemic is the selling of yourself. When Macho Man was about to go up against Hulk Hogan, you felt that. You felt that to your core.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Hulk Hogan was about to go up against Macho Man, you felt Hulk Hogan to your core. I've infamously talked about how on the pod, and I even mentioned on here that Hulk Hogan has been in heel since WrestleMania 3. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you really look at it, Hulk Hogan is trash, just like Zach. Zach um, on uh, Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. That's Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan sold <laughs> you that the uh, that Andre the Giant was the friend who betrayed him. Right. And in every promo, you felt Hulk Hogan was betrayed when all Hulk Hogan had to do was give his best friend. A friend who was undefeated for 15 years, a title shot. Andre the Giant drew Bobby the Brain Heenan. So to you, that Hulk Hogan was um, a a bad friend. Hulk Hogan was never a friend. Hulk Hogan wanted the spotlight. He had the bigger title, uh, well, the bigger trophy. Um, I was the better wrestler. He was. I, I, he looked up to me. I didn't look up to him by size and by skill. But after the Piper's Pit, you had to go up in front of a screen and basically do a promo. Right now, you mean to tell me I have wrestlers who have to get up in front of a front of a, um, a an arena with nobody in it? And try to sell me on something. First of all, we ain't even in the 80s no more. So my mind my thinking is not of what used to happen if I'm 18, 19, 20 years old. I like and that. And you don't know how to sell and, and if you and you got a lot of wrestlers out here that honestly just don't know how to do good promos. Even Don, Don Morocco was a terrible promo, it turns out. But you put him in the right spot, it's gonna look great.
0: <laughs> Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, JR Bang with us from first Black Champ podcast on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. I um I, I you know Dusty Rhodes once told I think he was telling the guys in the NWA back in like eighty nine, he was like, We you know what, we we're doing wrestling, but we're gonna be making major motion pitches, baby. Meaning that he was thinking about the movies, right? He was thinking, I'm tired of bleeding. I'm tired of getting beat up by the Horsemen. Eventually, we're going to be so famous that we're going to be making major motion pitches, baby. Is the WWE with this Boneyard match we saw at WrestleMania, uh, what we saw from Ciampa uh, in that matchup he had with um, Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Gargano, the WWE bangers like making movies. I know that they're like it's wrestling, but they're going above and beyond. They're making good use of that WWE studios, their movie projection because that's not that's not wrestling as much as it is um, like major motion pictures.
1: Yay! Never trust the snake. Part <laughs> two. Right, right. That's what That was <laughs> right. It was. I mean. Made- I will say that I thought this WrestleMania was going to be terrible, but I've given it a top five, a top ten rating only because of the expectations. Mm-hmm. Expectations made it a, a top ten pay-per-view. But the Boneyard match and the Firefly match was Never Trust the Snake in long form, mm-hmm. Pretty, in lo- a little bit longer form. So this is not, or or at worst, well, not not even worse because... When um Rowdy Roddy Piper wrestled Goldust. Yep. Think that was WrestleMania eleven?
0: Yeah, the, in uh, in California. 12. Yeah, in California. One of them. Yep.
1: Um, but that was taped too. So they really just dug in they just went in the crates and was like, yo, we just especially with the Fight Fly Funhouse and the Boneyard match, all that was, was was never trust the snake. Um un- Ultimate Warrior being Brought and excuse me into a room with Jake the Snake Roberts, and Jake the Snake Roberts is trying to show him a different side of him, and it turns out that you know he put him, he put him up and had to get bit by some snakes, and then he looked over him. Never trust a snake, which was the which was the start of Jake the Snake Roberts' heel turn, uh, which we didn't know. We just like, oh man, Jake Roberts did that to the Ultimate Warrior. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. So I think, and that's that's the whole thing about going back digging in the crates again. I think when the WWE did that, they dug in the crates and they got something that they can use at different WrestleManias at different times when we're all outside and we're going to events. So it worked out. I don't think you should overdo it. Um, and if you do it, you have to make sure that it hits because the last thing you want to do is you want to do something like this. And it looks like Randy Orton getting thrown out of his uh, his makeshift house um, by Triple H. Right. Um, <laughs> right, It needs to look like like... I can tell you one of the realest wrestling moments ever to me is when we went back to school on Tuesday thinking that uh, Brian Pillman actually shot Stone Cold Steve
0: Austin. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. He was like,
1: oh, is he dead? Like, we went to school on Tuesday wondering if Stone Cold Steve Austin was dead (laughs) pre-internet. Right. (laughs) So this is all of that. And this is what WWE is king. This is what WWE has always been better than everybody. When, when WCW tried to do it, they gave us, um, they gave us, um, Davy Boy Smith and Sting versus Vader and, um, Sid Vicious at Beach Blast. Remember when they had the they was on the speedboat with the women and then Vader and, and, and Sid Vicious came through and then like the steamboat blew up? Like that's, they didn't do that right. WWF slash E has done that perfectly so I can expect more of these you just can't overdo it at some point you really start having to hit on the emotion um, of the arrest of the wrestler and why you need to pay attention to them and I think one male wrestler who's done that greatly is Seth Rollins because his promo um, towards Kevin Owens um, about going to Wrestlemania like at Wrestlemania he's a god I believed it and
0: I'm thirty-seven. I am 37 i that. I wait a minute. I don't think that Seth Rollins was the picture in your grandmother grandfather's and grandmother's house. Like, you know, next to next to Dr. King, I don't think Seth Rollins. I think it was just God.
1: But if they dress him up right. <laughs> I
0: don't want to hear that. <laughs> I dress him right. he do got the beard, he got the I don't, hair. Okay, I don't want to hear. hair? No, no, I don't want to hear anymore. Dotted hair, Sandy Blunt. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> 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 if they dress God upright, he'd look like Seth Rollins. Or or, or Al Perez. <laughs> <Okay>. ah. <laughs> Which is the same guy, seemingly, to yep. me. Um, I got. I gotta ask you about the
1: Black Scorpion.
0: (laughs) I gotta ask you. Oh, let me get this in because I do want to ask you about some of the wrestlers that were let go by the WWE. But I want to ask you this for a nostalgia question because no one's ever asked you this, so I'll ask you this. Okay. So it's been around on the Jim Cornette podcast. It's been on the Jim Ross podcast as well about Muta. I know you like the great Muda in yes. 80, 88, 89, right? Yeah. So, so Jim Ross brought up when he was in the, in the booking committee in 89, 89 90, that Muda should be a baby face and should be the world champion. No. Now think about wrestling during that time, right? We're talking about, and 90 was a little shaky. I mean, for some, that's a sweet spot, but now we're talking about, like, you know, the WWE had a lot of characters, the goon, you know, a lot of these bad characters, Brooklyn brawler, all this stuff. But WCW was thinking that Muda at the time, because he was popular with the ladies, apparently, which I did not know that, um, that Muda, and he was being cheered a lot, if you go back to uh, the Clash of the Champions from Corpus Christi, when Sting uh, injured his um, his patella, he injured his yeah. yeah, and so because he was supposed to get the title at that time in '89, that people at that time when Sting went down, apparently the NWA crowd was into Muda because he was so unique. All those moves, like he was way ahead of his time. We didn't see that in America, but we saw it from Muda. Ross said that he pitched for Muda to turn babyface. Would that have worked for you in nineteen ninety? Not at all. No, <laughs> not mm-hmm. at
1: all. And as only because the way that wrestling depicted Asians, mm-hmm. and 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 I, I don't want to come off on this audience is as, is as, as racist and stereotypical
0: because well, well, yeah, but wrestling is stereotypical though, yeah, even for that time. So yeah, and that's what I
1: was about to say. Like because they gave us that. Like, when when I watched wrestling, the Samoans were savages. Yep. The black people shuck and jive. Mm -hmm. Some of the white guys were either dirty or they were Hulk Hogan. Um, (laughs) um, Or you was like, I mean, mean, that's true. Because, like, Bruiser Brody was a a big, dirty wrestler who beat you up. So you was like either that or you were Hulk Hogan. But the Asians were always people from the Orient who give you a savant kit, kick, do some martial arts, and they beat you in weird ways, and they spit stuff in your face. Yep. That's not a good guy. I don't care how many moonsaws he do. I don't care how many roundhouse kicks he do. That's not a good guy. It was always taught to me in the 80s and the 90s that... Sting was the good guy, or Hulk Hogan was the good guy. Even when it came to face paint, if it wasn't for Sting and Ultimate Warrior, if you wore face paint, I thought you were a bad guy from parts I know. Yeah. that is what it is. So because of the way that they presented Great Muda, the great Kabuki, um, even though he was an Asian, um, the missing link, the way that you position you you positioned wrestlers like that to us. I would have never looked at the great Muda as a good guy. Now, eventually, he did become like he was a face when he was the NWA heavyweight champion, though, right?
0: Yeah, was he a baby face? No, nah, he was a heel. I think still.
1: But either way, it go he wrestled another Asian guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: So, yep, that's like, right. He
1: wrestled Masahiro Chono. That's yeah, he key. was a heel because I think Masahiro Chono was the face. Yep. But even if that was the case, like the guy with the met, the guy with the face paint. In the red face paint that give you savant kicks and, da, 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 and all that stuff.
0: that's not the same. Now you're trying to conf, you're confusing black no. r- black wrestlers. And, he didn't do that. Like
1: when he do the when he do the the hand move like da, 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 you know, okay. when it looked like he was about to grab you by the throat or spit something in you, in, you, in your face. Masai Rochono wasn't that. Okay, like he was he was he just looked regular and he run down her had the had to tile around his neck and he give you the STF. So what? even even that was like, you know, I was not threatened by Masahiro Chono. Yes. But if I saw the great Muda on the street with that on, I'm scared in 1990 because I'm eight.
0: <laughs> okay, well. All right, I need you to I need to make sure I get these sound effects right now. Uh, you gave me the one from Muda. What does the one sound like for Rufus R. Jones? What does that sound like?
1: Oh, hey, brother. Hey, brother. Okay, that's
0: different. Okay. Like, yeah, that's him. That's <laughs> Rufus Jones. Okay, all right. I'm... Okay, I'll just check it, because I know that was kind of the same, but I was now I see there's a difference between Muda and, and Rufus R. Jones. All right, I got it now. All right, and so just to put a bow on that, that is so the the thought in W as he keeps saying WCW, in the NWA at that time, Bang, was Gary Hart was not going to allow that to happen for for Muda to turn turn babyface because Gary Hart didn't want to be babyface. And so Gary Hart told... Wait a
1: minute, pause. So Gary Hart was supposed to be a babyface too?
0: Well, I mean, remember, there were a package in 89, 90. Yeah, I know. And so Gary, quote-unquote, brought Muda in, right? And so... You know, Gary was, like, trying to protect himself. He's like, well, no, you're not going to turn babyface because I'm not going to turn babyface. Just stay heel. And you remember in Future Shock, they buried Muda. He lost, like, four matches in a row for that little tournament they had yeah. uh, in the fall of 89. So, And then at that time, Muda was like, okay, I'm going back to Japan. So that was the end of that.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't have been the face for it. He, he definitely couldn't have been the face with Gary Hart. Like, Gary Hart would have to get a bigger Asian guy to jump on Great Muda.
0: Right. Right. And that's by the way, that's one of my it's not a regret, but it's a guy I wish I would have interviewed. I've sent you I've sent you video of Gary Hart, some of the things that he would say. He actually is from Chicago. And, and and so that's why he sounds the way he does. <laughs> so it's so uh, I wish I would have interviewed him because I know he's got great stories from booking the uh, the uh, Dallas office, working with Fritz von Erich, working in Texas and all these other territories in Florida. I wish I would have been able to interview Gary Hart, but yeah, he uh, yeah he was with Muda, and so he was like, "Nah, Muda, it's not happening. Nah, you're not gonna be a baby face." So that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, looking uh, bang at the uh, WWE and the releases that they've had, it was a surprise. You know, actually, after every WrestleMania, there's always releases, right? After every WrestleMania, there's certain wrestlers that get let go, but this was completely different. And the the people that are on the economic side of wrestling say that. That Vince should have been able to hold on to this talent. They shouldn't have fired so many people. Even with the XFL falling apart, um, even what was going on with the with the stocks, um, with the WWE, that this should have been able to. Uh, these wrestlers should have been able to continue with the company. So I'll ask you, out of these names of Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Kurt uh, Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Drake Maverick, Heath Slater, Eric Young, Rowan, um, Mike. Mike and Maria, uh, EC3, Leo Rush, uh, Epico and Primo, Aiden English, Kurt Angle's on this list as well. When you see, when you hear these names and when you saw them coming across, did you, what was the number one wrestler out of that group that you thought that person could be a star someplace else?
1: Um, Mike Bennett. Um, Mike Bennett slash Mike Kanellis. I, I liked him in ROH. I thought like, I thought he could be somebody like Sami Zayn, not as the character, but people coming from Indy, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, coming from Japan, Finn Bal. I thought that Mike Bennett was going to be bigger than what he was when they said that he signed. And then when he went directly to the main roster, I was like, oh, yeah, they they really about to push him. But then they made his character Mike Canellis and I was like, well, you just took the wings from underneath him um, even though I loved that theme music that they had, because I love '80s m- movies, mm-hmm. and so '80s soundtrack, it reminded me of like Mannequin uh, <laughs> All right, but yeah, but that he's. But when they said that they signed him, I was like, okay, he's about to go in the NXT, and he's about to do his thing. So, and it just didn't happen. And I think part of it was they gave that character they gave him, and he went straight to the main roster. So the expectations wasn't like was high, higher than it should have been. Um, so he would be that wrestler that I would say I definitely had high hopes for, but it just didn't work out.
0: I um, I said this at the time that I feel that with all these wrestlers that are available now, and it's a, and it's a lot of producers also, a lot of agents are available as well. This is good for the wrestling business once it resumes to normal. If we get normal again, bang, because if if I'm MLW, if I'm the NWA, if I'm AEW, if I'm Ring of Honor, these other companies, bang, I'm I can pick out Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. I can pick out uh, Eric Young. All these people can work, right? All these people can work. And I just think that they all don't have to just rush to AEW if you have the money and if you can be able to make a deal, all of these performers can step into your company and make a difference. So I just think that with these releases, every time the WWE release, guys, including the Revival, that's going to really help another company and help the business overall grow.
1: Yeah, as long as you got the money, I I think if if the money is there, you're going to get a bidding war in some cases, right? I don't which this is why it's good to have wink wink competition. Yeah. I don't I don't call it competition because every I'm gonna watch them all. So you're not you're not competing with me, especially with D V R. So um, this is when you have a Mike Bennett who can say, I'm gonna go to AEW, or I'm gonna go to ROH, or I'm gonna go to NWA or I'm gonna go um, to Japan or I'm gonna go to MLW. And it helps. This right here, in the long run, I think might help out everybody. Um, and that's why I see more cuts coming from the WWE. Because from the WWE, let's be honest, they had a lot of fat. Yeah, that they had to trim. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the, for the majority of the wrestlers who were cut. I like them all. Um, but you don't need all of them if you're the WWE. You don't. You don't, because you're not gonna use all of them. I'm not saying that that, you know, you should get rid of, you know, you no, know, everybody but and then just hire some jobbers, but you don't do you really need Mike Bennett? No, you don't need him. And he didn't want to be there. The revival didn't want to be there, even though they was cut before all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were some wrestlers who reportedly didn't want to be there when they got cut. So a lot of these cuts was, oh well y'all a group that didn't want to be here so we just going to let you go. I don't think that I think there was a few wrestlers like The Drake Maverick, you know, you no, know, it looks like he really wanted to be in the with the big machine. There's some wrestlers who's been here for 15, 20 years, you know, Heath Slater, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. It's a shame that you no know, Heath Slater is not going to get a chance to win the WWE heavyweight championship or the universal championship. Like the the other two members of Three MB. Um, oh God!
0: Well, you would really went around the bend on that, man. Yeah,
1: you- <laughs> he can win the AEW championship. Oh you no! Know what I'm he can win the MLW. It's just what I'm saying is, is that it just gives people um, an opportunity to move around and and really become a star. But the good thing about it is for some of these wrestlers, um, I don't think that the the option to come back is not there even if they go to any of these other places because if they go to some of these other places and become stars it gives you more of a reason to bring them back all
0: right last thing uh, i appreciate your time i want to get your thoughts about um about the women's division in the wwe you know as much as i like oscar and and what becky lynch has done Becky Lynch still is not hot. It's it's tepid. You saw where her placement was at WrestleMania. Like if she was the man, don't you think she would have main evented one of the two of those days? I just th- I just think Charlotte Flair has it. She just has it, man. I mean, just the whole uh, package. She comes down to the ring just like her dad. She needs the ropes open for her. She does the best promo. She had the I thought she had the best match of WrestleMania, um, and, and I I thought that. When you, I just continue to see her just get better and better every time. I don't think I see the same match twice with her. I just think that she's it. And for whatever reason, she's not positioned that way. Yeah, she's the NXT champion. All right, cool. But they continue to push Becky Lynch as if she is the face of the company. And I don't... There is no face of the WWE, but I think the closest thing to it is Charlotte as far as her in-ring work. I thought her match with Rhea Ripley was the best. I don't think it really set Rhea Ripley back. I think that you could have a nice feud with those two, but I believe Charlotte is the face of the women's division, even though she's not billed that way.
1: So, um, I, I'll say this about the division. I believe that, I believe that the women's division is as close to the men's division as far as talent Mm -hmm. that that they have ever been in my life. Because we're having a conversation about Becky Lynch being the face, but is it Charlotte Flynn? Those are the conversations that you want to have about a division. Yep. So it's a great question to ask. Uh, It might not be a great question to answer for what I'm about to say about Becky Lynch, but it's a great question to be asked. Mm -hmm. Because you got Becky, you got Charlotte, um, you got Oscar who's been doing amazing. Um, you got Nia Jax, who's back. Hopefully, Kari Sane is okay. You know, because ooh that bump was tough. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, but she's, got but, Becky.
0: but she's still Bay though, so it's okay. Yeah,
1: she's still Bay though. But man, um, <laughs> you got um, you got Shayna Baszler who just looks scary. Yeah. Um, you got and then mean and we ain't even said anything about sasha and bailey who um who has looked great and then you even had your mid-card level of talent you have your dana brooks you have your um uh, i forgot my girl name that real quick but she, the girl with the punch
0: what girl uh, with, who
1: the, the, the women's right
0: oh yes yes go ahead
1: no um you have uh, you have um you know, Kari Sane. And then you have your NXT ladies. Um, Io Yoshahari is my favorite. I didn't even mention Bianca Belair. Um, you have a lot of women wrestlers where... Lacey Evans, can, by the way. Yeah, Lacey Evans, yeah. So you, 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 we got a lot of women wrestlers where we can finally say, like, okay, so who's really the face of the division? It is Charlotte Flair. It is far and away Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair has the charisma and she's giving you the matches. Uh, and she's and she's taking chances. I'm sorry, I like Becky Lynch until she starts to wrestle. Oh, and it's not to say that she's bad. What I'm saying is, is that there's nothing when she wrestles that makes me want to stay and watch it, unless she's wrestling against a Becky Lynch, a, a Charlotte Flair or she's wrestling against Sasha Banks, or she's wrestling against Bayley. Or, I mean, and I don't think that Shayna Baszler is the best wrestler, but her persona makes me want to watch her because she looks like she's really hurting people and can hurt me. So (laughs) I want to watch them. But when Becky, when she talks, I'm like, all right, cool, bet. She's going to say these things, all right, cool. And when she gets to that serious promo, it's dope. Because some of them serious promos against Shayna was dope, but when she gets in the ring, she needs somebody that's gonna carry her. I don't think you need that from Charlotte. Like she's not. First of all, you're not gonna carry Charlotte in the ring. No, that that ain't happened since Natty, alright. Right. So that's that's not gonna happen. And she's still gonna give you. And she's still gonna give you a good match. She will put you over. Because I mean, I don't think and. I had to go out of my body and say, "Why well, didn't just give it the real?" But like then, when she the next day on Raw, when she says that she's going to, she's going to um, basically teach the the women's roster on NXT. I'm like, oh, this is great because the, the number one contender is now is Io Shirari. and then you have Candice LeRae down there. You got a couple of others, but then what does she say? And this threw me for a loop. She says that the first wrestler she wrestled at NXT was Mia uh, Mia Yim, oh my. and that's what she she wants to wrestle. I'm like, wait a minute, who? <laughs> like, huh? Right? Like that? You think you think Becky Lynch gonna win the title and be like, oh, I want to wrestle Candice Lerae? No, never never yo, happened. So Mia gets put over off the mere fact that she's mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, oh, like that's and that's why I'm like, yo. Charlotte is the face because Charlotte is about to go to NXT and she's about to make a lot of women famous and I don't think that I think while Becky can make you famous through talking about you, Charlotte's gonna make you famous by talking about you and wrestling with you
0: yeah, i i th- I think that she's, I think that she's special. I don't want her to have like this Cena like run where she has sixteen, seventeen different championships. I think, yeah. the, I think that what she's doing right now is in her sweet spot. I'm gl- and i of course you had to be able to mention the woman that you would risk it all for in Italia. I'm glad you were able to shoehorn her into the conversation because <laughs> you know f- female Dolph Ziggler. All right, so uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's going? That's a, now that you know I can't wait to read her book. It's probably gonna be bigger than Brett's, by the way. Natalia's yeah. been so underutilized and just brutal. Just she's not. She'll probably go to the WWE Hall of Fame, but she's just been underwhelming, unfortunately. And she's got so much more to give. And I know you feel bad for her because you're very you're very close to her. Um, yeah. What what is coming up on the first Black Champ podcast?
1: So I mean we haven't really had a lot of wrestling to talk about, you know. I mean, I mean to be to, to keep it a buck, you know. Um I'm one of those people who look at some of what I've seen and just be like ah, uh, I'm I'm gonna kind of tune out. Uh, but that's not going to. I'm not. It's not going to stop me from in camp. Came from the port to um, to give you quality content. So we're going to be doing a lot more oral histories. If you have not heard our oral uh, histories, yes. This is what we we talk about these wrestlers in the way that we would talk about them, you know, amongst our homies. So when we give you these oral histories, we're not giving you, you know, real technical stuff because we we were not in the room to discuss any storylines or or anything like that. With when it comes to you know their character, their their careers, but if we was at home and we were watching wrestling and the Undertaker died, we. The next day it was like, oh man! Did you see the Undertaker die? He went to the heaven, and Yokozuna killed him. Like, so we talk about it <laughs> in that way, in the essence of a true fan. Um, in the in the essence um of a true fan, be so we're gonna start doing more of those, uh, and we doing with everybody. We did it on The rock. We have an episode where that was actually the year anniversary of why the rock was Contail Pro the whole time. We didn't realize it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was ladies and gentlemen we did an episode on the on on the undertaker um and how the undertaker really lost a lot of matches we just didn't realize he did um um, so we're going to be doing a lot more you can follow us on instagram you can follow me on instagram at jrbang but you can follow first black champ we now have an instagram page yes um dedicated so you can follow us at fbc.com And we're going to be putting a lot of content because one of the people that um, listened to the show, um, they took offense that I said that Hulk Hogan has been a heel since 1987, WrestleMania 3. So I'm going to tell you why Hulk Hogan has been a heel since February of 1987.
0: Ah, I love that. Yeah, I will direct people to the WWE Network. Go to the WrestleMania section and find the press conferences. Right there's some press conferences there that people need to see. There's a Hogan and Andre press conference that was in Montreal because they were going from place to place promoting this that big uh, Wrestle WrestleMania three. Um, you will see a heel Hogan and a babyface Andre. Uh, and that's not what you expected, but you need to look at that WWE Network. Look for the interviews, the press conferences. I think it's under press conferences, and look for Hogan, Andre. You will see a a a, a kind of um, hungover probably, and um, and heelish Hogan and Andre in Montreal. It's it's enjoyable.
1: That's good. <laughs> so.
0: Bang! I'm glad you spent some time with us on TWT. There again, it's a very odd time for wrestling, uh, especially with no fans in the stands and the declining ratings. But hopefully, you know, on the other side of this, when it's um, when we're able to go to wrestling matches again, uh, maybe we'll start to see a, a, another renaissance for wrestling. So we'll see what happens.
3: Yes, sir.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show. As always. Great to hear from Bang, a longtime friend and a wrestling podcaster uh, with the first Black Champ podcast. Okay, so there's some news to pass along. I've heard the expression that deaths happen in threes, and I don't know if that's true or not, but it just seems as though is that we do have three deaths, so quickly in a row. Maybe there is something to it. If you go back in the archives, we just did a special on the late Howard Finkel, longtime ring announcer with the WWE, the first employee of the WWE going back to 1980. He was the person that came up with the name WrestleMania because of Beatlemania. And so if you missed that, go back and hear How so many people, from Mark Henry to Bruce Pritchard, Jim Cornette, and others had so many great things to say about um, Howard Finkel. That was a death that took place here in the month of April. Another death that took place in the month of April is Joe Petticino. If you're a longtime wrestling fan going back to the 1980s, you know the name Joe Petticino. He was an Atlanta-based host of a block of wrestling shows called Superstars of Wrestling and also the Highlight Show Pro Wrestling This Week. I remember as a kid watching Pro Wrestling This Week that was on one of the syndicated channels uh, in Chicago growing up, and it was a really unique show. It was a wraparound show, kind of similar to This Week in Baseball or what you get with NFL shows where they give you the highlights of everything that happened that week. Pro Wrestling This Week was so ahead of its time back in 1986 uh, because. It was a show in which you were able to see highlights from every territory, from the NWA to Florida to the AWA to the WWF at the time, what was going on in Portland. It was hosted by Gordon Soley, the late Gordon Soley, and now the late Joe Petticino at the time, and it it, it was really well done. Two guys pitching it to interviews or pitching it to action from around the country and in Puerto Rico, I believe as well. So somehow they were able to get these uh, highlights to be able to show. If you missed any of the wrestling, y- there was no YouTube back then, but there was a highlight show and it was Pro Wrestling This Week. Um, so that that was terrific. Uh, Joel Gertner, the old uh, ECW uh, announcer and talent said, uh, RIP Joe Petticino, I used to love watching Pro Wrestling This Week. This week, um, others chimed in um, talking about this, uh, including some thoughts from Sean Waltman on Instagram. Sean Waltman um, said that if it wasn't for Joe Pedicino, most of you wouldn't even know I exist. I he gave me my first big break, and I'm forever grateful to him. And he's talking about the time of Global Wrestling Federation. That's also on the WWE network when it was based in Dallas after World Class uh, shut down. So, uh, Global Wrestling Federation that was on ESPN five days a week. Um, Joe Petticino was the founder of Global Wrestling uh, based out of Dallas. And so that was terrific. He also worked for WCW for a time. And uh, his wife, Bonnie Blackstone. Bonnie Blackstone was a a wrestling correspondent. That was his wife. uh, And they were married for such a long time. Uh, People remember Bonnie Blackstone because of her marriage with Joe, and they were always together on these uh, wrestling shows. Uh, let me take you back to 1986. This is a portion of what pro wrestling this week used to sound like. And, of course, everyone had to have uh, Eddie Murphy's party out all the time to start a video package or show because of the catchy tune, I guess. Listen. <laughs>
4: Pro Wrestling This Week. I'm Joe Pettacino. And I'm Gordon
5: Sober. During the next hour, we're going to find out that Larry Zabisco indeed does have some involvement with Kurt Henning and the controversial AWA Heavyweight Championship. Also, we have an exclusive interview with Danny Davis of the WWF. We'll be seeing a Matt Classic, and we have a lot of matches from all over the world. Plus, we have a new face in Calgary, Ontario, Canada. And... Bill Aptor brings us a special report on Super Cards of 1987. And speaking of Super Cards, Joe, uh, the Great American Bash officially begins July 1st in Lakeland, Florida, at the Lakeland Civic Center.
4: Well, that's very true, Gordon, and it continues then on July 4th in Atlanta with the Match Beyond. Some other important dates on the Bash Tour, July 11th in Oklahoma City for Oklahoma Pride as Steve Dr. Death Williams goes after the UWF title in Chicago on July 19th, in Houston July 24th, and the tour ends in Miami at the Orange Bowl on July 31st. One of the great matches we expect to see during the Great American Bash Tour is the Midnight Express against the Rock and Roll Express for those world titles. Now, Jim Cornette had some words to say about the tour and about the Rock and Roll Express.
3: We're here with Jim Cornette, the United States Tag Team Champions, Midnight Express. Jim, what's this I
2: hear, a rumor about you retiring? Yeah, I'm retired from professional wrestling. You see, I made it through all those cage matches with Ronnie Garvin and Jim Crockett got me stuck in. Jim Crockett would have me in a ring with a donkey, with any kind of animal life, with anything, if I let him have his way while well, I'm through wrestling. Unless he goes out and finds a little girl or a little kid for me to beat up, I'm finished in the ring. And let me tell you something, Rock and Roll Express, that's what you're going to You cannot fool fate. You cannot kid yourselves and kid all the people into thinking that you can escape from the Midnight Express for long. Because the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll, is your worst nightmare come true. Because that's when nightmares come, the hour of midnight. And they're fast approaching you, United States Tag Team Champions. That means we're the number one contenders. And when you won those world belts, then all of a sudden you realize, we're going to have to wrestle the number one contenders, the Midnight Express. Well, you've wrestled all the other teams of professional wrestling, and you can beat them, too. But you tried as best you could to stay away from the Midnight Express. Well, rock and roll, I'm calling you dog. I'm calling your mama trash. I'm calling your family garbage. And what kind of guys would you be if you let a guy like me stand out here and call you all those names that didn't shut me up? The Great American Bashes are coming up. The most ambitious series of sports promotions that have ever been held clear across this country, brother. And during that, with all the eyes on it, we want you to defend those world tag team belts against us prove that you're men or lose those belts
5: one or the other well you know joe one team that was really hoping to be a challenge during the great american bash unfortunately is going to miss it now sean royal and chris champion the new breed both injured in an auto accident it looks like chris is going to be out a little bit longer than sean we wish them both a speedy recovery and a quick return to professional wrestling
4: that's right they were a very fast up-and-coming team really making their mark on the nwa and now because of the accident they will miss as you said the bash now a team that won't miss the bash the rock and roll express we're going to see them in action right now against david isley and john
0: savage so a little bit of flavor of pro wrestling this week uh in the 80s and by the way um gordon saying calgary ontario canada (laughs) <laughs> that, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, rest in peace, Joe Petticino, uh survived by his wife, Bonnie Blackstone. They both owned a radio station, 925 The Bear, an FM uh, country station. So always business minded, uh, Joe Petticino passing away on April 12th. And we just found out about it uh, just uh, a day ago that he passed away. And again, he had a massive stroke and dealt with that last year and into this year and passed away on April 12th. So, another death that really got to me. I didn't know Joe Petticino personally. I didn't get a chance to interview him. But I did get a chance to interview Scott Bowden. And this was just, gosh, this was not that long ago. Scott Bowden was a Memphis wrestling historian. And I used to listen to his podcast, the KFR, Kentucky Fried Wrestling Podcast, because he was a guy that loved Memphis wrestling and really was a huge Jerry Lawler fan to the point where I kind of thought that Travis Scott Bowden was kind of morphing into uh, Jerry Lawler at times because of his demeanor, things that he would say, the quick wit. He was just a guy that really always had um, had a smile on his face. And he was a guy that uh, kept everything upbeat. Um, I really liked Scott because even though I only interviewed him on the air once, we had a lot of interaction on social media uh, back and forth about certain projects and things that he's working on. And he had this com business that he was opening up. And just, again, just really talking about all of his favorites from Lance Russell to the fabulous ones, the Dirty Dutch Mantel and Superstar Bill Dundee, Lawler, as I mentioned, uh, Austin Idol. There's, there's so many greats that came out of that territory. If you... Were a wrestler in the seventies and eighties and made it to the big time. You got to go through Memphis first, but, uh, Scott, it's it just uh, amazing when you wake up like I did this morning on Tuesday and see that someone who's f- filled with life, who love wrestling, love Memphis wrestling passes away. You're like, well, how, how does this happen? And he was doing other podcasts as well, um, with Bo James and others, um, as recently as last week. he His last tweet was about the passing of Dickie Steinborn. Dick Steinborn was under the hood uh, as a wrestler called Mr. Wrestling in Memphis. The plan, original plan was for Tim Woods to come in and expose an imposter, but crowds fell to dis- disastrous levels after Jerry Law's retirement and uh, Jimmy Valiant surprisingly got over so strong plans changed. He just tweeted that just nine 19- Two days ago, on April 19th, as we record this. So he was talking about Dick Steinborn, who was a terrific wrestler in the NWA and also um, in the South, like Memphis, for many generations. And he was writing about how he passed away, and then Scott passes away. It's just, man... Yeah, it's um, shocking to many. I saw what the, the great Brian Last, Brian Last is a co-host of uh, the Jim Cornette podcast and other podcasts that he hosts. And um, he, was, he sent a message out on Twitter and was amazed and just shocked, like many of us, that um, Scott passed away. Um, he says, really shocked and saddened to hear of Scott Bowden's passing, Uh, An underrated manager, a truly gifted writer, and a genuinely funny guy. Our recording sessions were always hysterical. Go read one of his articles, listen to one of his podcasts today. Um, And that was from Brian Last. And again, someone who loved Memphis Wrestling, that uh, loved the business, and definitely loved Jerry Lawler to the point where I always thought that and if Jerry Lawler had it, a son he didn't know about, it could have been Scott, Travis Scott Bowden, because they're so similar. Let me take you back in time and give you a little sample of uh, my conversation with uh, Scott Bowden from the Kentucky Fried Wrestling Podcast. Um, for someone who, uh, who loved to put himself over and loved to put Memphis Wrestling over, I'm sure he'll enjoy this segment that we're going to do here on TWT.
3: Uh, well, you know, I, I wanted to uh, watch cartoons when I was a kid, and I was, you know, I wanted foghorn, leghorn, and my dad would switch it over to WHBQ Channel 13, and uh, I'd get Lance Russell. Uh, and I guess in hindsight, maybe there weren't too many differences in their delivery. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I made that joke on the air to Lance one time, and he just rolled his eyes. and was like, ah, don't start with that smart stuff. Uh, but, uh, really, the first memory I have is the Mongolian Stomper. And again, it's just one of these great characters in wrestling that, that you don't see too much nowadays. Uh, you know, the guy was, you know, had the, had the slick head, is completely shaved, these menacing eyes that seem to be like staring right through your soul. And he was tossing these jabronis around like they were sacks of garbage. And I just thought that was amazing. Uh, and he had this great manager, Bearcat Wright, who was really—he uh, was the first African American world heavyweight champion for the WWA. Uh, he's in the one of the, the honorary wing of the uh, uh, WWE Hall. Uh, didn't get the full treatment, but one of the great talkers of all time. So he would do all the talking, and the Stalker would just stand there and just stare right through the camera, and it just—it would just freak you out, man. Um, and the night he debuted at the Mid South Coliseum. He, he, you know, they had him in back to back matches where he just destroyed two guys, one of which was Dennis Condry of Midnight Express fame. Uh, and so he, that was the, like really the first indelible memory that I, that I have of it. And then uh, when Jerry Lawler came along and had that personality that just kind of uh, pulled me in, and he had that intense feud with Bill Dundee in 1977, that's when I really became hooked. Uh, because I, I, you know, I don't know how much you know. You strike me as someone who knows a lot about the territory days. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that, that, that series of matches just had the most uh, insane stipulations, which just seemed to get crazier and crazier each week. And I don't know too many too many towns that could have uh, the same match, the same main event headline, ten to twelve weeks, and you know the crowds would keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually they were selling out.
0: Scott Jerry Lawler is just someone, just a, a huge name in the wrestling business, uh, and I think that a lot of your wit and your timing came from Jerry working with Jerry and then <laughs> watching him on television all those years. So, wh- what was it like to uh, actually work alongside him? Because you were a- actually to able to work in the Memphis territory as a manager, as a talent.
3: Yeah, it, and it was almost it was almost like it was meant to be. I, I met Kevin Lawler, and uh, we became fast friends. And I, I and you know, and you would do anything in those days just to get backstage. And so Kevin one time asked me if I wanted to set up the ring. And so I, I you know, went to the 1960 Union Avenue WMC uh which was just a staple of my childhood. Uh, you know, at one time that re- that Saturday morning wrestling show was the third highest ranked, sh- third highest rated show in the city. Including primetime it was like Dallas, Dynasty, and Memphis Wrestling, and you could say that Memphis Wrestling had better writing and and, and more drama than than either of those two programs. Um, and and I, I remember I just I cracked a joke. I was next to Lawler, but you know I, I I think you're right. I mean I, I grew up sort of taking on his cocky swagger like a lot of kids did. Uh, you know maybe if I grew up in Pittsburgh, Terry Bradshaw would have been my hero. But you know I grew up in Memphis, and and and. Lawler was from Treadwell High School, went to Memphis State University, and just uh, yeah, without a doubt, he influenced my my, my deadpan delivery and and, and cracking the way I overcrack jokes. Eric Embry was doing a promo, and he goes, "Lawler, I have not never liked you," and I just looked at Lawler and I went, huh, "Well, that's major heat there using a double negative." And, <laughs> and, and it, you know, and it wasn't it the funniest thing in the world, but Lawler just. You know, it kind of cracked him up, and he asked Kevin, he goes, hey, who he was that? It was that skinny punk hanging around in the back." And he's like, "Oh, it's funny. As well, uh, Jerry Calhoun just had to had to quit. Uh, uh, you know, asking him if he wants to referee, and uh, I think Lular is since rude that day.
0: <laughs> you can check out the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and hear our full conversation. It was fun talking to. Travis Scott Bowden, better known as just good old Scott Bowden, Memphis wrestling historian and fan, and uh, man, gone too soon. Scott Bowden from KFR. Well, a uh, few news and notes for you. I see that Cassius Ono confirms his WWE release, as if the WWE hasn't released uh, enough talent. Uh, so the old Chris Hero will be returning. That was just such a waste from the beginning. Cassius Ohno making a second return to the WWE and it just didn't work out. Now, here's the thing I watched Cassius Ohno at NXT UK and thought that uh, his persona was great. And if nothing else, he could have been a trainer for someone that's wrestled all over the world. And the tag team I want to see, I want to see Chris Hero and um, Claudio Castagnoli, you know, Cesaro. Cesaro and Ono the kings of wrestling would have been a great tag team even in nxt uk that was not allowed to happen because well that was in on the indies so there's no way that that could happen in the wwe right just typical great talents but underutilized it's uh not surprising right so we see that he's released and a few other nxt um wrestlers uh, were released as well uh, the other thing is, oh, I saw the Money in the Bank, so the Money in the Bank title, uh, you know, the for the briefcase, the, the match, I was going to say title match, that's not right, the Money in the Bank briefcase match is going to take place at Titan Tower, as I was telling J.R. Bang, clearly the WWE is making movies, they're not doing wrestling right now, they're making... Major motion pictures. We'll see how this looks for the money in the bank. I thank you for listening and being part of the program as always for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. And don't forget our YouTube page as well, youtube.com look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. For God's sakes, tell someone, tell someone that Jonathan Hood is talking wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday night on ESPN 1000 as well as the ESPN Chicago app. And right here, wherever you download your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, download the podcast and enjoy each week. We're alone together during this pandemic. I hope all is well with you and your family. And we'll talk again next Tuesday, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on the show.